You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. It's Mubashir Zafri speaking from the studios of Voice of Islam, here located in the Beit al-Fatu complex in Morden, which is in the south of London. You are joining me this morning for the breakfast show of the Monday session. And with me here today in the studio, I have Imam Usman Manan, who will be joining, with, who will be joining me in discussing few topics during this two-hour show. So we do have two different topics lined up for today's discussion. The first one being uh, the teenage migrants choosing between death and Europe. This is the first segment that we'll be speaking about roughly around 7.30. And the second segment which we will be discussing uh, is how migrants... um, So so the second session that we'll be speaking about is how are the UK and the other countries doing so far in reaching the uh, net zero by 2050. So we'll be discussing this. uh, But before that, uh, we will take a look at the news, what's been happening over the weekend. And we'll take a brief look at the newspapers, the headlines that they are presenting. Uh, And we'll quickly go through that. And then we'll discuss a few things before we get into our main discussion. So the Times this morning, the front cover speaks of the Spanish PM stating that he could gain or Spanish PM could gain seats but lose power after snap election. Then we've got Tory retreat from green policies to woo voters. And then we've got a big photo uh, of uh, the fire that has just taken place. People uh, fleeing uh, from the Rhode Islands. Then on the Daily Telegraph, we've got um, the main headline is pressure on travel firms to fly Britain out of roads. So it's again, speaking about the fires there, the sun uh the main headline is roads wildfire hell run for your lives brits escape inferno with seconds left uh then we go to the daily mirror uh it speaks about roads again roads inferno agony our terror brit families tell off ordeal as they flee wildfires on hull's isle 19000 evacuated and mercy flights to set to bring tourists home then on the Daily Mail, we have uh, the front cover. The main headline is, I am blessed my cancer was caught quickly. It's an emotion interview uh, whereby Jeremy Hunt describes his fight with the disease that killed his parents and has now struck his brother too. So this is what he speaks of. Uh, then we move on to The Guardian uh, the Guardian uh, speaks of thousands forced to flee roads, fire, nightmare. Uh, and then we've got a um, picture of uh, a cricket player, uh, English cricket player, and the headline is, Washed away, day of rain wipes out England's ashes hopes. Then we've got Daily Express. Uh, the Daily Express leads uh, on the fires raging across the Greek island of Rhodes describing the scene on the popular holiday spot as hell on earth. Uh, We've got a large image uh, taken by a tourist with their masks on and you can clearly see that thousands of tourists are fleeing 
for their lives. Then I states that the Conservative Party have been warned against uh, rowing back on climate policies amid the fires on the Greek island of Rhodes. Uh, and Financial Times uh, splashes on the news that some billionaire back, bank, uh, backers of Ron DeSantis's bid to become president have started to rethink their support for the Florida governor. Uh, Metro again. Uh, if you are on the tubes or are travelling by public transport, you might pick one of these up. It again speaks about the fires uh, that have emerged in Rhodes Island. So this is what has uh, been happening over the couple of days that have just passed. Uh, and of course, as we all know, we must remember all the people that are being affected by the fires that have taken place in Rhodes Island. Of course, it is a difficult time. We should keep all of them in our prayers and we should pray for their well-being, that may God Almighty protect them from any sort of damage, whether that's to their health, whether that's to their lives, whether that's to their properties, to their wealth. Uh, and may God, uh, you know, protect all of the travellers who have gone there for holidays, um, they have nothing there. Um, you know, they've just gone there for for a good time for their holidays. So may God Almighty bring them back safe and sound to their respected countries. So this is what we have uh, in the papers this morning. And we will discuss a few other aspects of the news straight after a quick break. And we will be right back with you in a short time. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Writings of the Promised Messiah When a hot-tempered person is provoked and punishes a child, he takes on the role of an enemy in the stress of his anger and imposes punishment far in excess of the wrong which has been done. An individual with self-respect and control over himself, who is also forbearing and dignified, has the right to correct a child to a certain extent as the occasion demands or seek to guide the child. But a wrathful and hot-headed person who is easily provoked is not fit to be a guardian of children. I wish that instead of punishing children, parents would have recourse to prayer and should make it a habit to supplicate earnestly for their children, for the supplications of parents on behalf of their children meet with special acceptance. A new station, the Voice of Islam with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam.
كبر أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show this morning. It's 13 past 7 in the morning here in beautiful London. The weather though does not seem as beautiful as the city this morning. The skies are filled with um the skies are filled with clouds. Rain's expected and this is what we have today for the weather forecast. So what is the weather telling us or the forecast telling us for today? Uh, Imam Usman yeah, so today a band of rain gradually clearing southern England this morning with cloud lingering there in the afternoon. Elsewhere, patchier cloud, sunny spells and showers, some sharp in the far northwest. And by tonight, uh, northwestern Scotland will see sharp showers tonight, some making their way further east at times, a few light showers for eastern England at times. Uh, elsewhere, there are clear spells and variable clouds. And tomorrow on Tuesday, Scotland and northeastern areas of England will be mostly cloudy again with scattered uh, sharp showers, lighter showers in the northern Ireland and drier conditions elsewhere with more frequent sunshine. Uh, and throughout the week, Wednesday is expected to see sunshine, uh, variable cloud and showers. These mostly in the south uh, spells of rain moving into the west in the evening and overnight, cloudy with spells of rain and scattered showers on Thursday, uh, turning drier again and sunnier for most by the afternoon, variable cloud and light showers to start the day on Friday, turning dry and sunny for most later on. So it looks like uh, the most most mornings in this coming week will be uh, um, cloudy and, cloudy uh, and a very bit dull. of rain. Uh, but it was the evening. It seems the sun seems to come out a little bit, and it gets drier, and the weather looks a little bit better. So we'll have a, a quite uh, you know roller coaster this week with, with yeah, clouds with and sunshine and clouds yeah. and sunshine. And is there anything else in the news that you know has caught your eye uh, in the last couple of days? Yeah. So you were just mentioning the the wildfires, which which uh, um, just happened in Greece. So some more detail about that, that uh, Corfu has become the latest Greek island to issue an evacuation order as the country grapples with devastating wildfires. Fires on roads have uh, already forced 19,000 people to leave their homes in what the government calls its largest ever such evacuation. Uh, thankfully, no injuries have been reported so far. Uh, the holidaymakers have been left in a limbo with EasyJet, um, the commercial airline planning to two repatriation flights today and another tomorrow and uh, holiday firm Jet2 is spending planes to bring its customers back as well and people forced to leave hotels over the weekend have been sleeping at the airport as well as in the sports halls conference centers and even on the streets 
a national holiday that had been planned for today has been cancelled because of what the Greek presidency called extraordinary conditions. And Greece has been grappling with searing heat with temperatures exceeding 40 degrees Celsius across the country and fires on roads have blazed for nearly a week now. <laughs> and the latest uh, update of this morning is that parts of the island of Evia, uh, which is located off central Greece, eastern coast, uh, coast, have also been issued with evacuation orders. And residents in four villages, namely Livadi, uh, Potami, Pernaraki and Plastanisto, have been told to evacuate and precautionary measures and move towards the area of uh, Karistos, the state new agency. Um, some uh, reporters, um, some some holidaymakers over there have also spoken to the press, uh, which are uh, devastated and they're reporting that um, th- when the fires started coming, there was there was not enough transport available for like eight for these eight hundred people in one spot to be transported. But the fire kept coming closer and closer. So the 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 Greek government is also struggling and trying their best to evacuate everyone. Everyone, and as mentioned, Kofu issued an evacuation order later on Sunday as a result of fires of its town of its own. And people in the areas of uh, Santa Megula, Porta Pelia, Peritia, and Sinius on the islands have been told to evacuate as well. Boats in the area were dispatched to evacuate residents by sea. Uh, and uh, Kofu in the Lonian Sea to the northwest of the Greek mainland is a destination popular with tourists, with hundreds of thousands of uh, British people also visiting every year. <clears throat> yeah, some, so it's been yeah, so and some some uh, one more thing. Some British holiday make, uh, makers arriving on the island on Saturday found their hotel had already been evacuated, uh, and they had nowhere to stay. And uh, again, they've, they've been either staying in different conference halls or even on the streets, some in the airports. And even the uh, British Airways said its flights to roads were running as normal, but customers needing to return early could change their flight for free. And those not wishing to travel there in the next week from the UK could postpone their flight as well. Right. So if you are planning to go to Greece, you need to be careful. Keep in mind what's happening in Greece. And just keep checking for updates and, you know, any new uh, planning that it's required. You should go ahead with that uh, and just be careful out there. And for those people who, again, as I mentioned, those people who, are be, who have been affected by, by, this, by these wildfires, uh, it's, it's our responsibility that we keep them in our prayers. Um, uh, also, Imam Usman, uh, as far as uh, our community is concerned, um, as we've discussed before as well, that in this coming week we will be, uh, you know, uniting, gathering uh, in Alton for a convention, an animal convention, yes. which is coming back to its full, you know, it's coming full to scale. its full scale uh, after four years after the period of COVID. And um, just yesterday was the inauguration of the event where His Holiness... Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the fifth worldwide head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, uh, had come to address those who are volunteering in running the show, as it's said, who will be, you know, maintaining 
the uh, the the convention, and uh, he will be working in different departments for those three different for the three for the, for the three consecutive days. Mm. Um, did you did you attend uh, the inaugural ceremony yesterday? Yes, uh, I I also went there and uh, I had also the honor to see His Holiness and join the silent prayer. Um, um, I'm also going to be working there as, as in right. the department and. As you mentioned, it's not only those three days. Um, those workers have been working for, I think, of course, uh, two three weeks, and um, they will be working even after this annual convention, after the Jalsa Salana, uh, for a few days. Um, and just for the for the um, information of the listeners, that this Jalsa uh, basically the the government has allowed twenty eight days for this uh, kind of small city to be built. And for the annual conven- convention to take place, and then also uh, taken off. So it's a very short period of time. For I mean, if fifty thousand people are attending, absolutely, uh, you can just imagine how much preparation and how many, how much attention to detail you have to give. And uh, this is uh, happening after a few years now on a full scale, as we mentioned. So a lot of preparation is being done, and. Um, even His, uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya community, has mentioned so many times that so much money is saved and uh, um, used uh, more beneficial, more beneficially because of the volunteer, uh, because of the volunteer workers of the community. And there's hundreds and thousands of people who are, you know, giving their free time for uh, the community to build this place to help them and various um, departments and then again also to take off um, all the marquees and uh, all the setup so it's a huge huge convention so many people are taking part and uh, yesterday as you mentioned yes his holiness did uh, come for the inspection of to see you know how things are going because it's such a huge event um, should be almost ready a week before and uh, yeah he he um, it, the the inauguration started with um, obviously the recitation of the Holy Quran yep. and its translation, and then His Holiness said a few words, um, I think a few loving words about uh, one of the person um, who did the recitation. Absolutely, and, uh, the one the one who who, who basically presented the translation. Yeah, for the for the recitation of the Holy Quran, absolutely, and it's remarkable how you know, you know, within twenty eight days you start off with a plain field. Uh, you know, there isn't, uh, you know, you, there's there's no marquees, no white tents. You know, this small white city, nothing there's, is there, there's yeah. nothing inside. Not, not even pathways. <laughs> nothing is there. And within 28 days, uh, you know, a, a city full of tents and marquees is uh, erected. And then within that 28 time period, you know, everything is taken off. And when those twenty-eight days have passed, it seems as if nothing had happened yeah, in, happened in this exactly. in this uh, two hundred plus acre land. So it's remarkable how you know people from all walks of life come together, and you know out of you know out of love for the community and also zeal and passion and fervor, they they come together and they prepare. Uh, you know this place for the guests who'd be attending the convention, and you know if you look at it, it's actually quite, you know, mind-boggling how all of this is done 
uh, without you know any sort of problems, any sort of issues. Um, and as mentioned before, you know we were discussing this last last week as well that um, even the you know there's hardly any uh, police enforcement there, and even the police enforcement that does come is there just you know for any you know if there is any a pre- issue precaution uh, is a precaution yeah um and a lot of them they 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 come and enjoy themselves they have food and what's remarkable is that you know all three days there is uh, you know free food served breakfast lunch and dinner and huge task yeah and you know you are feeding more than 20 30000 people uh, at one time so the setup is completely you know it's it's amazing how it's all done and you know we believe as ahmadi muslims that you know this this only uh, comes to fruition due to the grace and blessings of god almighty and we must continue to pray for 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 the you know success of this event and of course the main highlights are uh, you know the sermons and the speeches and the addresses of his holiness um uh, you know who who will be speaking five times during uh th- this um convention so he has the friday sermon which of course is essential that he does every week and that will mm. be broadcasted from hadiqat uh, al-mahdi uh from alton uh from the site then in the evening or well in the late afternoon he has another address the opening opening address then on saturday Uh, around 12 o'clock he will be addressing the ladies uh and that's his third address of the convention then on saturday again late afternoon he'll be addressing the men's side and again this is a very special address because in this address his holiness speaks about the progress that the community has made uh, mm-hmm. over the last year you know since the last address that mm-hmm. he had given at the convention previous year how much progression the community has made within that year so he speaks yeah. about how many you know new converts had you know come into the fold of uh, ahmadiyya muslim community how many mosques we built during the year how much charity we've raised within the last year then he'll narrate incidents of these new converts how they came to know about the ahmadiyya muslim community what sort of changes they saw within themselves and you know it's quite astonishing how you know the community is progressing throughout the world and, and then so speaking about the progression just to give some perspective that the first annual convention which happened yeah that was december 27 1891 yeah and guess how many people attended that yeah, was about 30 32 years ago and only 75 people Absolutely. attended the whole gathering and now look where we are today that we have to do preparations for 50,000 people i mean this is definitely as you mentioned this is a only possible through the grace and the blessings of Allah Almighty. Absolutely. Um, and so many people and many of them are actually uh, not from the community. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of guests and since this is also an international gathering, um you have many delegates from different countries in Africa, in Asia, from America. Yeah, throughout uh, the world people are coming and even you know, in the past few days people have been flocking to the Beit Al-Fatul complex. Uh, by the grace of God, the Bethlehem complex is quite big, and it houses a lot of guests that come from abroad. Uh, we've got four halls that are used for accommodating these guests who come from uh, different parts of the world, 
Um, and again, uh, you know, coming back to the days of uh, the convention, on the final day, we have uh, a um, we have another speech or address by His Holiness uh, at the end of the day, where he concludes the uh, convention and speaks about different matters, speaks about spirituality, and. You know, one thing we, 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 we you know, fail to understand, or not, not fail to understand, I want to say, but uh, we forget to mention sometimes that, you know, this, and this is more so for the uh, speakers who have heard about this convention for the first time, that this convention isn't, uh, you know, a convention that they might be, you know, familiar with. It's not a festival. It's not mm. a place where people come together and, you know, um, you know, listen to music or have a festival or, you know, yeah, of that sort, you know, party or, or a party or where people are throwing around, you know, listening to music. It's, it's, it's a spiritual gathering. And this gathering, as you know, you mentioned, was first held in December 1891 and was held in the time of the Promised Messiah. And, you know, when establishing or putting the foundation stones for this convention, uh, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated that the sole purpose of having this convention is so that, so he mentioned two things, so that first of all, those people that come to this convention, they seek spiritual enhancement. They come mm -hmm. together and they enhance their spiritual abilities and so that they can you know, go further in their spiritual journey towards God Almighty. And they are able to listen to different speeches, different aspects of spirituality. And this is the first thing that, you know, or the first purpose of, of the, the convention. The second thing was that when all these people of the same community who, ha who hold same, um, you know, creed, and have the same um, belief when they come together first of all they can uh, have an awareness of who is of this community so that a relationship of brotherhood is established between them Definitely. and secondly by having people coming from different areas they can understand uh, and learn from one another because, of course, things are done differently in all parts of the world. You know, the way we do things here mm. might be completely different how things are done in, you know, let's say Germany. Germany's convention, and convention is coming at the end of uh, September, uh, sorry, August. August. Um, and, you know, they might be doing things differently. So mm. when people from all walks of life come together and they see one another, they discuss things, you know, they learn about how things are done in their in, in their respected countries and you just learn from one another so these are the uh, you know these were the uh, reasons why the promised messiah peace be upon him started this convention and you know over the years over the past century or so the convention has grown many fold whereby people are coming and flocking into the community as you mentioned from 75 now we are at a place where we are preparing for 50,000 and, you know, when conventions were held in Pakistan, uh, you know, the number was far greater than 50,000. Mm. But nevertheless, um, you know, coming back to the convention that's taking place this weekend, uh, you know, just for the benefit of the audience, I must say that 
uh, we've mentioned that these people are, you know, volunteers. And these volunteers, they come from all sorts of backgrounds, from all walks of life. We have mm-hmm. doctors who come, we ha- you know, and they're cleaning toilets. You know, there's so much humility and humbleness. Yeah, in these people. If, you, if you say volunteers, people might think it's like, you know, people who have nothing to do. Yeah. But most of these people are like, you know, running companies. They're, they're working in big companies. They're doing... Great uh, things. There's accountants. Jobs. There's doctors. There's engineers. There's dentists. There's uh, you know uh, people who work in the media industry. Journalists. Uh, you know professionals that you know you know give up their professional work time solely to come here and help and you know and for their own spiritual. Uh, you know, for the pleasure of God Almighty, they come and take part in different departments. And there's, you know, so many things. You know, you've got uh, maintenance who are looking after the piping throughout the uh, site. Then you've got water supply. Then you've got hygiene. Then you've got um, uh, MTA, uh, which will be covering the three days. Uh, you know, and we'll be broadcasting it live on the MTA channels. And also for the benefit of our Listeners, I must say that keep yourself tuned uh, into a Voice of Islam during those days as well, because we will be having live coverage from the studios uh, that will be set up f- temporarily uh, on site. Mm-hmm. So you will have some great discussions, and you will be getting live feeds uh, and news from the uh, convention. Uh, but again, coming back to the departments, we have so many people that are working there. As mentioned, uh, people working in the kitchen, preparing the food. Again, you have people from all walks of life. You've got a person who's a, you know, who is a doctor peeling potatoes. You've got an engineer who, you know, is designing cars, but here he is cutting onions. Then you've got people who are paramedics. They are there working, you know, st- you know, stirring the or you know turning around and stirring the pots and washing the pots so it's 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 you know it's phenomenal how people from all walks of life come there and then of course then you have people who um who volunteer in specific departments that are related to their professional work as well such as you know the first aid we've got doctors there yeah. on site 24 hours you know electricians, electricians who are you know keeping the city awake during night you know with the lights so mm-hmm. that you know people don't bump into one another again you must remember you know just painting the picture for the listeners that this place where this convention is held is a field you know in um, you know Alton and they it's literally you know in the middle of nowhere okay. it's a farm it used to be a farm there's no lights, there's no road lights, you know, even close to the place, probably a mile or two away. So at night it gets pitch black uh, and you can't see anything. So, you know, we have to have lights there, floodlights, and all these electricians that are working there. And the most important thing is that all of them are working free of charge. The only, I think the only money that is spent for the setup of convention is, you know, the... Uh, the professionals that we hire to put up the the marquees uh, or the ACs, um, mm-hmm. and even those people are get they get help from the volunteers that come. Yeah. Um, and then you have you know the 
the youth youth association you know which you know is dedicated uh, for the members of the community who are aged between 15 uh, to 40 years old and this is specifically for men the khudam the youth association um they you know they have volunteers that come from all across uh uk they come together mm. they stay on site for at least a week and they help out they give a you know helping hand to different departments whoever needs help uh you know they help them there so you know all these people who are working in different mm. departments and you that's know. just within the community uh, absolutely just, uh, lastly i'd like to mention that yesterday after the inauguration i was coming back um around 10 o'clock probably so i stopped at the petrol station uh to fill up some petrol and um i went in to pay and uh, there was a there was a person that he said oh is is that uh, are you having the event this week um because he saw so many cars leaving yeah. like usually on sundays it's empty nobody comes absolutely and i said no it's actually next week uh and this week is just the inauguration that's why you probably see so many cars next week you'll see at least three times as many cars are coming absolutely and uh, he said oh uh okay good luck then and and I asked him like how do you know about this convention he said oh one of my friends is going and right. um, and he said uh, but he said it's it's only for you know for the people for the community for the for the people in the community and i told him maybe he was mistaken or he didn't he, he probably is not aware of it but this event is for everyone absolutely anyone who wants to join yeah uh, we actually have like forms and registrations for for people from outside the community who want to join and that's what we encourage people to come and uh, we actually so many people bring guests with yeah. them uh, even from different countries so just for anyone who doesn't know who, who's listening in i'm not sure if if the registration is still open but if it's, if it is you can try if not for next year this convention is open to everyone uh, you just need to get um into contact with uh, one of um the, the members who are organizing this and anyone can join whichever day they're free the friday saturday sunday or even all three days and come and see what is happening inside this this huge uh, mini city. city yeah <laughs> absolutely and you're right you know we do get a lot of guests as well who you know out of curiosity um do come down and see what's happening you know all of a sudden the streets of Alton are filled with cars you know the traffic that they've never seen you know the whole year there's no such traffic as the days of the convention so some some people do come along uh, out of curiosity some people are invited some people have seen posts on social media and just general they just want to come and take a look uh, and you know there's a whole separate setup for these guests who come for the convention you know transports provided for them you know there if they have special special uh, dietary needs those are met so you know it's a very wholesome place a uh, wholesome time that uh, is spent and again coming back to the, its purpose it's a place where you know people encourage to enhance their spiritual um you know capacities and their faculties and you know just gain some nearness to god almighty um and that's the purpose of the jalsa and again for anyone who wishes to uh you know listen in to the live feeds of the convention stay tuned during uh, the coming few days especially friday saturday sunday this is when the convention will be taking place uh and you know hopefully you'll enjoy uh what's to come 
So this was, uh, you know, some words that we had in the beginning. Uh, the time is coming to 7.40 uh, and we need to move on to our next point of discussion. Um, the first discussion that we will be having uh, is uh, regarding migration, especially amongst the teenagers who have a very tough choice of either coming to Europe or losing their life. We will talk about this after a very short break. Stay tuned and I will hopefully come back to you in a very short time. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states God Almighty has divided his wonderful universe into three categories. First, the world which is manifest and can be conceived through the eyes and the ears and other sensory organs, directly or indirectly, with the help of instruments. Secondly, the world which is hidden and which can be understood through deductive reasoning and hypothesizing. Thirdly, the world which lies even farther than the hidden world, so hard to conceive and almost beyond the reach of imagination. Very few are those who are aware of its existence. That is an entirely obscure world which cannot be conceived through deduction, but is only imagined. One can have access to it only with the help of spiritual vision, or revelation, or word from God, and not by any other means. As is evident from the unchanging will of God, manifested in nature, one can safely deduce that as God has provided man with the apparatus to understand the first two categories of his creation mentioned above, Similarly, he must have provided man with the apparatus and instruments to conceive that world of his creation, which is mentioned under the third category. And that apparatus, as we have already mentioned, comprises spiritual vision, revelation, and the word of God. This mode of communication can never be conceived to be inoperative or to have ceased altogether in any age. Nay, but those who fulfilled the prerequisite have always been gifted with this and will continue to be gifted with the same. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa peace be upon you. Welcome back to the breakfast show. It is Monday, uh, the 24th of July today, and we are just going over the news. Now we will start our first segment the teenage migrants choosing between death and Europe. So, migrants saved. In one of the first rescue operations in the Mediterranean since hundreds of people died when a boat sank off the Greek coast. 
Um, there's a, a lot of uh, unluck going on around Greece. So it's, I don't know what's happening. Say nothing uh, could um, deter them from trying to reach Europe. Uh, they spoke to BBC's Alice Cuddy on board uh, a rescue vessel patrolling the sea for migrant boats in distress. And uh, what they had to say, we'll be looking into that. So why are people risking their lives to come to the UK and Europe? That's the question that arises naturally. And the, the migrants all knew what the risk um, is, what they're facing, yet uh, go on nevertheless choose to make the journey. For several, it wasn't their first attempt actually right. to reach Europe, even after previously escaping death. Everyone on the boat has friends who have died while attempting the very same trip. Uh, the Gambia is one of the poorest countries in the world and the International Organization for Migration says that Gambians have emigrated at a higher rate per capita than any other nation in Africa recently. And nearly two-thirds of UK migrants who arrive on small boats are found to be genuine refugee and are thus allowed to remain found. Um, a Home Office report. Home Office data shows that 61% of migrants who travel by boat are likely to be granted allowance to stay after claiming asylum. And uh, it also reports that um, states um, it states the likelihood of their claim being approved, uh, the grant rate. Most of the people crossing the channel into the UK are recognised to need protection after the initial decision stage has been performed. And the report shows that for Syrians, 88% are granted refugee status, for Eritreans, 84%, and for Sudanese and Yemeni, 70%, for the Iranians, 67%, and for the people from Kuwait, uh, 61%, and Afghanistan, 56%. Uh, if for any reason asylum is refused by the Home Office at the initial decision stage, the applicant has the right to appeal, uh, around 60% of appeals are likely to be allowed for the top 10 countries of origin mentioned before. Uh, and uh, Enver Solomon, the chief of the chief executive of the Refugee Council, said the analysis contradicts the government's narrative that people coming across the channel are not refugees. The reality is that people who come to uh, come to the UK by taking terrifying journeys in small boats across the channel do so because they are desperately seeking safety, having fled persecution, or terror, or oppression in their countries. Absolutely, and you know it's just. Sad at times, not just at times, the whole situation of people who take refuge and have to flee from their countries and seek protection at a, a different place. And this is sad that, you know, how a person who's been raised or who's been born and raised at a particular place, who sees this place as a safe haven, has to leave that place because of terror, because of fear. Uh, because of you know how people are treating them, and um, this migration that does take place, you know all of these people who want to migrate have this dream of living their life, mm. you know, not just making ends meet but enjoying their life, and leaving behind the difficulties of life that they've had at their 
you know, at their place. And, you know, this situation of migration has been amongst us for a very long time. You know, there's always times, even we see throughout history, where people have to flee their countries to seek protection uh, and to see being safe at a different place. It's always happened uh, and it continues to happen in this day and age as well. We see, you know, we hear on the news every now and then that people are trying to cross a channel or people are fleeing a war-torn country or they are coming to a different country to, for safeguard. And, you know, it's always discussed amongst politicians as well, amongst governments, how to better the facilities for these migrants, for these people who are seeking asylum, for those people who are leaving behind, uh, you know, a place which uh, is torn by either terrorism or is torn by violence or is torn by uh, corrupt governance or is torn by war. How do you how do you give them a better life than they uh, than that which they had been living uh, in their countries? And you know. It, we are very fortunate that we live in a country where we are given all our rights, uh, relative of our, you know, background, irrespective of our um, religion, irrespective of our skin color. We are given equal opportunities. We are given the right of practicing uh, our religion openly and freely. We are given so many uh, opportunities in every aspect of life. And we are so fortunate that we have no such worries. Of course, everyone has their own worries. But, you know, we are not in, in a situation where we are having to leave our home country uh, to go somewhere else to seek protection. But, you know, we must remember also these people who, who are fleeing from their countries. It's a very difficult thing. And for a lot of us, uh, you know, we can't even imagine what's going through them. And, you know, the title of the segment itself is that teenagers are, you know, they have this tough decision between death and Europe. It shows that the only aspiration that they have in their eyes is to live a wholesome life. So this is what we're discussing. If you want to join this discussion, you can always call us in on 0208-687-7878. If you have something to say, if you have a point that you want to make, if you want to add to the discussion, feel free to call us on this number. Or you can tweet us uh, at on at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, you can always join the discussion on there. Um, and feel free to uh, join the conversation in, uh, you know, by any of those two ways. But coming back to the discussion, Usman, uh, you, you, the thing is, we, of course, uh, live in this fortunate, you know, we have this fortunate life where we are not running away from any sort of problem. But, you know, a lot of people, especially from the community as well, have fled persecution, for, uh, you know, from Pakistan and have moved to different countries, have moved to Europe. And, you know, this, there is this thing about Europe that, you know, draws so many people in. They see that mm. freedom. They see that 
you know, there's opportunities for people there. And credit goes to all of these countries, all of these nations that, you know, do welcome people from outside of their, you know, countries. And they, you know, invite them with open hands. And not just invite them, but then give them equal opportunities. You know, I myself am a child of a, you know, of a migrant who fled Pakistan, you know, who, who migrated to Germany. Uh, sought asylum and then you know he was given the you know he was given a uh, place to live and then you know uh, we of course lived a very wholesome life in the sense that you know we were given equal opportunities we were studying in school um, you know we had all the facilities available we never you know thought about you know whether we will be having uh, dinner today, tonight or not you know, that those things never crossed our minds and for so many people uh in the world you know it's it's devastating that they have to worry about whether they will be able to feed their feed their families or not so you know credit goes to these countries who open their hands openly open their arms to these migrants and then not only just open their arms but also aid them and facilitate them in every aspect of life Yes, definitely. Um, this reminds me that His Holiness has mentioned so on so many occasions um, what the job of a migrant is um, for anyone who who is taking benefits of uh, all these uh, perks you've mentioned. Um, yes, it's true that many people flee because they have no choice. Uh, even in this case, some teenagers they either they 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 they, they die in their country because of war because of persecution whatever reason or the second option is they migrate to a safer country um well if even um this does not always work out but his holiness has mentioned for those who have made it and who came here they need to become uh integrated citizens of this um country whichever country they're in they need to put their input back in for the safety and freedom they have received so if a migrant <coughs> comes to the uk he takes benefit of all the all the um leniency of the uk government uh for example they they're doing a good job with helping the people in need with benefits um and uh, um, you know giving extra money to the people who actually need it but many migrants see this as an opportunity to you know uh, get money without doing any work so you could technically apply for these benefits and sit at home not do any job or work you know minimum amount of hours uh, get some benefits from the from the government get a house from the council and just sit there even though your 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 responsibility as a migrant is to prove to the country that you've let me in and show them that you are grateful for it and work harder than anyone else to give back to the community. Work um, honestly, work, give back your tax. Uh, whenever your country needs help, go help them. Your neighbors, help them. So this is the job of, of migrants. But we see that the, the stereotype which has kind of, you know, defined a migrant is someone who comes into this country, who like takes their jobs and takes their benefits and money and then um, doesn't even learn the language, you know, at least. I, but, I mean, I guess, you know, you always do find some cases like that. Um, and, um, 
this is why as you mentioned we are constantly reminded and you know as mm. you know it's not you know we can't hide away from the fact that you know the Andhra Muslim community is persecuted in places like Pakistan and Indonesia and yeah. Bangladesh um and few other countries you know some in the uh, middle east um and we can't you know you know keep that hidden it's it's apparent it's known and a lot of the community members do flee from Pakistan come here but we're constantly reminded by his holiness that you must remember why you have left the country is because you are not given that religious freedom to mm. practice your religion freely and openly so now that you have uh, you know escaped the claws of those nations now that you are free you should practice your religion the way you wanted to in your country you can't just let go of those practices and you know being a muslim being part of the islamic faith it's the responsibility of each individual to be a you know a a, a person who lives in society with peace and harmony a person who you know pays his or her due rights to his or her neighbors to the community to the nation to, to you know to to uphold the values that we you know have uh, in our tradition and in our nation so these are things but you know coming back to the reports you know we must ask ourselves why is it that people are having to you know leave their countries and seeking asylum and why europe Mm. So as I mentioned, you know, this the the, the demographics are completely different place to place. It varies, but all the time it's you know either persecution, uh, either it's you know a war torn place. You know, recently in the past few years, we've seen that you know the Ukrainians they had to flee their country because of the Russian Ukraine war. Um, they were being given refuge in different places of the world, especially in Europe. um then you have you know poverty is a big pushing factor a lot of people see that they can't progress financially uh in in their mm. countries um, maybe because of the poor uh infrastructure uh the gdpr isn't that great uh and they you know they want to uh you know have an opportunity in life to make some money and you know the stats regarding these people who are crossing over to europe uh the stats show that 80% of those migrants are below the age of 18 you know mm. at 18 you're still a child you know imagine uh, being an 18 year old having to leave your family and you know a lot of these you know the stats show the reports show that a lot of these boys who do come and cross over are you know elder sons uh you know it's just you know at 18 what do you know you're still a child you haven't seen the world and you're stepping in this complete different you know lifestyle and it just really really astonishes me how you know you cope with that you're leaving your parents behind you're leaving your loved ones behind it's just sad to think that you know an 18 year old child you know you're still a child is is leaving everything behind in pursuit of a better life not knowing whether he is going to make it or not is literally a choice between death and a successful life we are now heading towards 8 o'clock news we'll be right back after this short break of the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text 
as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. If you've just joined us here on the Voice of Islam radio, uh, we are going through the Monday's session of breakfast show and we've been discussing uh, the migration situation in the world um uh, especially the migrants who come to europe who want to f- you know have a better life you want to have a better quality of life and we're speaking of how they make this tough decision of either death or coming to europe and just before the break we were discussing that how sad it is to think that an 18 year old or someone who's younger than 80 and 18 years old who still is in his or her you know youthful days is having to you know flee from you know their respected countries and leave behind everything that they love to this new bewildering place that they've never seen or heard about to a language that they've never spoken to to streets that they've never roamed around on to a complete new atmosphere having that fear that you know they will not fit in or they will not be welcomed or they will be sent back to the you know imperfections inequalities that they were fleeing from and you know it really hits home or it really hits hard when you think about it that you know these kids who are you know still you know growing up are having to make this tough decision and I was mentioning that you know a lot of the times you know when the stats come out it's 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 people who are under 18 usually elder sons who now bear this you know very tough and heavy burden of taking care of their family back at home and a lot of these people they say that they've only got two you know options it's either you die you know in, in trying to get to europe or the other is that you get to Europe and you make a life for yourselves. But there's no way that these people have, you know, the idea of going back. And, you know, when spoken to 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 some people, they said that the reason that they don't want to go back is, first of all, that they don't want to bring shame to their families because they've spent so much money in, you know, leaving the country. But not being able to achieve that target will bring shame to their family uh, therefore, they would never want to go back. And secondly, that they're trying to flee this place, they're trying to leave this place. Why would they want to go back? And, you know, when we look at it from um, a broader perspective, uh, and in light of everything, the ultimate thing is that no one should be leaving their country. What's the need? Why should there be even a need of a person fleeing the country? And everything goes down to injustice. The lack of understanding of the rights that we owe to one another. If, you know, every country or every person in the world knew of the rights to his fellow human beings and knew what true and ultimate justice is and what peace meant, then we will all live in harmony irrespective of where we are. We will all be thriving and achieving our targets. And this is something that His Holiness has been speaking of for a very long time. Uh, 
during one of his addresses uh, in 2016, he spoke to the National Parliament of Canada regarding you know, religious freedom and the need for peace and stability in world affairs. And he put it in a very beautiful way and he stated that irrespective of differences of background, I believe that on the basis of humanity, we are all joined together and should therefore be united. All people and all organisations must collectively endeavour to uphold human values and strive to make the world in which we live a better and far more harmonious place. If human values and human rights are not upheld in one country region, it has a knock-on effect upon other parts of the world, and such wrongdoing can spread further afield. So this is what His Holiness has stated, that you know human values have to be upheld. If we are unable to, uh, if we are unable to, you know, if we are unable to pay the due rights to our neighbours, to our friends, to our fellow humans, we are making things difficult. And, you know, in bringing all this together, it's our responsibility to be united, to be on the same page, to work tirelessly for the betterment of this, you know, world. Then further, he stated that in, he states that furthermore, in chapter 5, verse 9, the Holy Quran states that even if a person or a nation has enmity with one another, with another, they should still treat them in an entirely fair and just manner no matter the circumstances, because that is what Allah the Almighty desires. So yes, you know, there are certain times where two nations might not get along with one another, but Islam teaches that irrespective of that, you must uphold human value, you must uphold justice. Just because you don't get along, doesn't mean that you create difficulty one another. Um, you know, since... Um... It has been uh, it has been quite an issue as well in recent years because coming to the UK is not something easy. There's there's Absolutely. no legal way uh, you can actually apply to live here. You know, there's you can either come for study, you can come on as as a for for work, you can come uh, for various reasons. But if you just want to move to the UK, there is actually no like straightforward way for you to come here and say I want to move to this country for whatever reason and I just want to start living here and that's something which is um, you know not possible just like that that it's either um, you have to have a valid reason such as I'm being persecuted in my country or there's war in in, you, in the country you're living in uh, it's, it's something you know some uh, um, extreme reason that only allows you to come and live in this country. Even though I think the border should be open for everyone. It's true they have to keep some control, otherwise everyone will start coming. But as um, has mentioned, and I think back in 2018, and even before that, that the, 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 the responsibility of the immigration office is to look at every case individually, instead of being uh, prejudiced towards Muslim countries. And for example, allowing all the Ukrainians to come here. Uh, without any question. Now, the, the the problem is not that the Ukrainians are allowed to come in. That's fine, obviously, because they have they have uh, those extreme circumstances. The question is that why does the government or why do people raise questions when uh, Muslim countries who are also in, in war and Muslims who are 
persecuted want to come to this country, uh, then there's an issue with that. So His uh, Holiness has addressed this as well before, um, and he he says that it's true that some some um, it's there's some justification for the fear of the Muslims uh, because extreme Muslims who who are not truly um, uh, practicing, practicing Islam yeah. uh, are also being allowed in in some cases. For example, he mentioned that uh, a case. Um, uh, he saw that was in 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 Germany that uh, one young lady who immigrated to Germany she saw that one of her Percy um, one of her um, kidnappers she was kidnapped in Iraq uh, and helped held captive before she migrated to Germany and she saw that after a few years that same kidnapper she saw him roaming around freely in Germany uh, because because of his so-called asylum and he, he was allowed into the country. So his Holiness mentioned that just because it's a Muslim country does not mean that they necessarily are allowed or uh, they deserve to be to, to uh, live in that country. Now yeah. they have to look at each case individually, which is obviously a huge task. And I mean, maybe you just want to run away from it. I don't want to do all this hard work for someone to... Just come and live in this country. What benefit is it to me? But the but unfortunate thing is, sometimes even genuine cases are dismissed, uh, and you know those people suffer. Uh, you know, you, though this the, the the statistics suggest that anyone who does come through a boat, usually more than ninety percent of them, they do you know seek asylum and their asylum is accepted. But you know, God knows we just know about you know a few incidents where people have lost their lives trying mm. to cross borders. But God knows how many people have actually lost their lives whilst trying to make that journey. Uh, you know, and how many have lost their lives on the way, and how many get here. You know, in in that struggle. So it's you know it's just yes, you're right that you know you need to look at it from you know from each individual and you know basically sieve out genuine cases. And again, you know, for national security, that's in, you know. It's very important. It's, you know, unparalleled how important that is. Mm. But one thing is that, you know, there's so many people leaving. How, you know, how do you do that? You know, you can't just put the burden, you know, on one nation. And this is the reason why His Holiness has said that, you know, in ensuring that we, you know, have a harmonious society, not just in the in Europe, but all around the world, we must come together and unite. Being united is our biggest, you know, will be the biggest driving force uh, when it comes to these issues of the world. And without it, without uniting together, this is a task which is extremely difficult. Um, if you have something to say, if you have a comment, if you want to join a discussion, feel free to call us live uh, today. Uh, on 0208-687-7878. You call us, we'll take your call, we'll listen, and we'll be very happy to see and hear what you have to say. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable talking to us over the phone, you can tweet us uh, at uh, Voice of Islam UK on Twitter, and you can join the discussion there. Nevertheless, uh, we are coming to an end uh, of the first segment in which we spoke about 
migration, the effects of migration, why people are migrating, what the age span is of those who are migrating. And, you know, we came to understand that though people are migrating, trying to, you know, better their lives, it's not as easy as it is shown either or it's heard of. These people really do go through difficulties and they honestly only have two options, which is either to arrive in Europe or to die. Now we swiftly make a move to our second segment in which we will be talking about net zero, which the uh, UK is also a part of. And we'll see how the UK and other countries are doing so far in reaching net zero by 2050. We will take a very short break and as soon as we come back, we will delve into this question of how UK in particular is doing to achieve net zero. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding. Yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, welcome back to the breakfast show. We've just finished our first segment speaking about um, migration and how teenagers uh, as young as um, 16, 17 years old are being forced to flee their countries and migrate to um, this lovely life in Europe. Or if they don't make it, many are dying in, 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 in trying. Uh, but we are going to move on to our next topic of discussion, which is about net zero. And uh, the question is that how are the UK and other countries doing so far in reaching that target of net zero, which is set to um, be achieved by 2050? So what is net zero? Um, net zero refers to a state in which the greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere are balanced by removal out of the atmosphere. The term net zero is important because uh, for carbon dioxide, at least, this is the state at which global warming stops. The Paris Agreement underlines the need for net zero and it requires states to achieve a balance between anthropological emissions by sources and removals by sinks of greenhouse gases in the second half of this century and to go net zero means to reduce greenhouse gas emission and or to ensure that any ongoing emissions are balanced by removals. The net in net zero is important because it will be very difficult to reduce all emissions to zero uh, on the timescale needed as well as deep and widespread cuts in emissions. We will likely need to scale up removals uh, in order for net zero to be effective, it must be permanent. And permanence means that removed greenhouse gases uh, do not return into the atmosphere over time. So, for example, through the destruction of forests or improper carbon storage. And the permanent or hard net zero will refer to a balance between all greenhouse gas sinks and sources that is sustained over matching time scales. The different terms for uh, carbon neutral or net zero climate neutral um, point to different ways in which emissions sources and sinks are accounted for in context. They help to indicate what is and is not indulged in the calculation or a target. Net zero is the internationally agreed upon goal for mitigating global warming in <clears throat> in the second half of the century and the IPCC concluded the need for the net zero carbon dioxide by 2050 to remain consistent with the 1.5. So the purpose of um, of this net zero and uh, we're going to talk about this today is to uh, raise awareness about this and inform effective climate action that is net zero aligned in order to advance progress towards this goal. And we'll be, discuss, we'll be discussing um, whether UK and the countries in this uh, agreement, how they're doing. The UK risks falling behind in its efforts to reach net zero uh, without much faster action, according to the government's independent climate advisors. The 2050 target is a key part 
of the UK's international commitments, which are designed to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. The 2050 target is a key part of the UK's international commitments. Uh, net zero means no longer adding to the total amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Greenhouse gases include carbon dioxide, CO2 and methane. Carbon dioxide is released when oil, gas and coal are burned in homes or factories, in our cars uh, and power plants. Methane is produced through farming and landfill. These gases increase global trans temperatures by trapping the sun's energy. So the, these gases add to the atmosphere. Uh, they create a, a separate layer, an extra layer, which is um, hindering the sunlight, which comes in from one side to leave the atmosphere from the other side. So that sunlight remains in, 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 in the earth, in the atmosphere of the earth, uh, or more sunlight actually remains and more energy is being stored in the earth which is causing the temperature of the earth to rise and if you re reduce our our usage of carbon dioxide and oil and these kind of substances which increase the um which increase uh, the, the the that that layer in the in the in the atmosphere of the earth we have we have a better chance of reducing or slowing down at least the temperature at which the the earth is rising and these gases increase global temperatures by trapping the sun's energy meanwhile rapid deforestation across the world means that there are fewer trees to absorb carbon dioxide now we've learned in, in i think primary school that plants and trees they're so vital to life because they they suck in all the carbon dioxide and they release oxygen uh, even though they do take in oxygen a very little amount uh, most of the time or most of the carbon dioxide is absorbed by the trees and plants by huge forests around the world and they in return they release oxygen which is essential for for most uh, living things so this is how trees are important to us and because uh, you know the hum human population is growing uh, we need uh, for example we need more paper more trees have to be cut to create that paper to accommodate people if we start saving our our you know printing sheets our paper our uh, workbooks notebooks uh, we sh even that can help even if it's a little it can help to reduce the carbon dioxide emissions and uh, <clears throat> under the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement, which I mentioned earlier, 197 countries agreed to try to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2100 and by the by 2100. To achieve this, scientists said that net zero carbon dioxide emissions should be reached by 2050. So the 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 essential goal is to reduce all climate. Um, temperature rise but the most dangerous of them is carbon dioxide and the goal for that is 2050 so uh, in the next 20 to 30 years however the UN now wants to countries to bring forward their net zero targets by a decade to avoid what is called the growing climate disaster so as calculated before by the UN the 
if we reduced our carbon dioxide emissions by 2050, we should be going in a, in a better direction. However, because the the carbon dioxide emissions in the world are rising at such a rate, the calculations were a little bit off and they're asking all the countries to reduce that time period by a whole decade, which at 10 years, that's a lot. And many people, many countries are struggling um, to, uh, um, you know, keep going with this uh, goal. Actually, Michael Gove calls for relax, uh, relaxation of net zero measures and warns against treating environment as a religious crusade. So, so how can we then um, achieve uh, net zero? What are things, steps that we can take? So, the six ways to reduce energy and uh, carbon footprint and getting to that net zero, there's few things that we can do. So, moving to net zero, carbon footprint has to be addressed. Number one is using a carbon-backed uh, tariff, as uh, this will ensure um, energy is from wind. Uh, solar and nuclear sources. Number two is that you can also tackle 11% carbon emissions and help achieve the UK's net zero goal by using energy efficient methods. This can uh, be by installing smart meter. Uh, in fact, turning down your thermostat by one, per one degree, you are pocketing 60 pounds and reducing 310 kg of carbon dioxide, which is a staggering amount. Number three is that heating accounts for up to 40% uh, of energy carbon emissions. Uh, switching from an old boiler uh, and moving to an electric or an even air source heat pump has its own advantages because they can be powered by low carbon emissions and low carbon sources. Number four, which uh, you know is a discussion that we've had before is, as well, is electric driving, you know. You can switch from a diesel and a petrol engine to an all electric driving car, electric vehicle. Uh, they are without uh, tailpipe, so low pollution, uh, as no exhaust, uh, there's no exhaust gases. Number five is when you use energy, uh, low demand at a time when there's green or renewable is a waste of energy. So there's a low carbon intensive period when energy shall be made the most of. Number th number six is think bigger. We individually have an impact of climate footprint on the world. Kids' awareness ideas can be included to make it fun for them to learn of our impact on the globe. So basically teaching our coming generations. And it's so important, you know, though this issue, you know, the, the, it's always there, you know, the climate change, our fo carbon footprint, the... You know the effects that it's having on our world what are we doing for our coming generations are we leaving this world uh you know in a good state in a better place for our future generations or are we leaving it in absolute mess it's a question that we really need to ask ourselves what impact you know and the thing is that you know not as not a, you know this is not a job for government or it's not a job of one individual it's a collective initiative that we all need to take you know it's not that you know oh if if, if such and yeah. such person does this or such and such government does this the climate change will be all in 
you know in 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 function and it will be all taken care of no this is something that we all have to play a massive role in we need to be really careful of what we do what steps we take how we use our energy uh, to impact the coming world the coming time you know some people they live down the road from the local supermarket and they prefer to you know take the car and or if it's you know they just need to buy a small little thing it's okay with them to take the car they don't see the impact and the thought that comes to mind is that you know myself I'm an individual one little you know if I'm careful about it how is it going to impact the thing is so insignificant the effects are so insignificant you know from a two minute journey one journey that I'm making is so insignificant how is that going to impact global warming the thing is everyone's thinking the same thing and yeah. if all of us collectively take that initiative that you know we should try to you know move around ourselves more rather than just taking the car everywhere you know which is also beneficial for the health you know walking around how much impact we can make collectively the effects will be staggering you know beyond our imagination the thing is because you know everyone has their own ways you know sometimes we think that you know what difference can we make by ourselves that's not the question the question is that what are we doing in our own capacity to change the effects of climate change global warming and you know of course there's always arguments that you know it's all a hoax and this and that but irrespective of that it's our duty to you know i remember we when we were in school a long time ago in secondary school through a philosophy and rs discussion we were speaking of you know the christian faith speaking about the bible speaking about the creation of man and a very important lesson that i learned that day which of course is also mentioned in the holy quran and of course i studied that much later in in depth but one thing i remember still was the word stewardship that uh, we mm. have been made stewards of this world of this earth and it's like um you know it's 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 god has given us the responsibility of safeguarding this world we have been given the role of stewards and we have been missioned to you know and tasked with taking care of god's world and you know it goes down to each individual how we take that you know do we want to be careless and leave this place in utter mess for our kids and their kids and our future generations or do we take care genuinely for our surrounding and leave it in a good state you know if you know if you have a house and you live in it and if you are genuinely in your senses and you have you know not been affected by something and you are able and capable you wouldn't be okay with having mess and mud around your house you'd want to see your house you know top notch all shining and cleansed 
sparkling. That's what, you know, dashing. That's what you'd want for your house. And if you saw any dirt, you'd pick it up and you'd clean it. But the thing is, when it comes to the world, you know, we've become so, you know, we've become so numb to the fact that, you know, we our actions could be affecting the the world at large. And it comes down to the point again, which I made that if it's a journey that you can make, you know, which will only take you five minutes extra, why go through the hustle of, you know, or the hassle of taking the car, you know, turning your engine on, uh, you know, letting out those fumes, the carbon dioxide, just so that, you know, you could have the convenience of saving four minutes of your time. So really, we need to be cautious. And the thing is that, Again, you know, representing Islam here at Voice of Islam, we speak of the Islamic perspective. And I'm very interested, you know, in knowing what Islam says about protecting our climate and our world. Yes, as Muslims, um, every Muslim has the duty of safeguarding uh, the planet. Um, as you mentioned, is a responsibility is a trust which is also given to us by God Almighty there's actually a, a hadith of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him in which he says that the world is sweet and green and verily Allah has appointed you as a representative and trustee over it so the prohibition of wastage in Islam tells us wasting or Overconsumption is not in line with this teaching. Today in the world, there is a lack of water and food in places. Um, and uh, Allah the Almighty says that eat and drink. I mean, this is your right, this is your need, eat and drink. But do not exceed the bounds, do not exceed your limits. Surely He does not love those who exceed the bounds. So when we're eating food, for example, many Bigger food companies obviously account to bigger food wastage, but even on an individual basis, again, we have our own uh, uh, role to play in saving as much food as we can, uh, not um, overrating, um, not uh, buying or making too much food for no reason. Um, the golden rule set by the Holy Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him, is that don't waste water even if you were by a running river. Now imagine next to a river you, you have unlimited water. Whether you use it or not, that water is going to flow. Absolutely. So even then, uh, you, your job is to make sure you don't use more than you need. Because if you start wasting water with, with the thought that if I don't use it, this will just go to waste into the ocean. What you're doing is your thinking is changing. So let's say you go to a place where there is only little water, you will still have that mindset of being careless with water and uh, end up using more than you need and then we will realize that we should have been more careful. Um, in the Holy Quran it is mentioned, uh, sorry, taking care of the planet and uh, um, at, uh, giving attention to it uh, regarding this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has also said that if the last day comes and any of you has a palm shoot in his hand, then let him plant it first. Tree planting, a, a very important thing, 
because we, we also mentioned earlier that trees uh, are kind of keeping our life, our earth alive. Uh, we are cutting down so many trees, but we're planting so little. So going for tree planting and different activities like this, they can be fun for as a, as a family weekend or for, for children as well, a day out. And on top of that, this will help the environment grow. Um, even the Hamdi Muslim community organizes such events, uh, like men and women, they all go um, and they plant hundreds, thousands of trees uh, throughout the year. Walking, for example, is recommended in Islam. Why? For it is the betterment of the environment and for us humans too. The tribe of Bani Salma wanted to move nearer to the mosque. On learning this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to them, I heard that you intend to move nearer to the mosque. And they said, Yes, O Messenger of Allah. Uh, we, do, we do want to do that. He said, O Bani Salma, keep to your homes. Your steps to the mosque are recorded. Meaning that the more effort you put in in walking to the mosque, the more blessings you get. For every single step, you get the blessings. This is also uh, uh, one reason is that you are... Um, obviously, today we have cars. So if you walk wherever you go, for example, to the mosque, you, you get more blessings. On top of that, you, you will be healthier. And uh, at the end, it comes down to the, to the mindset, you, how you train your brain to work. Uh, you see so many like influential speakers on on social media and YouTube. They're talking about how tough they are. That I get up at five a.m. I take a cold shower. I go for a jog. Then I go to the gym. Then I have breakfast. Then I work out again. What 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 is it that's driving them? I mean, they don't need to work out so much. It's not like they're they're trying to take on the world. Yeah, they they're doing it for their own health, Absolutely. for their own benefit. They see that getting up early is beneficial. They see that. Working out in the morning, or um, you know, working out intensely, will uh, get rid of your fat and will will keep you fit, and you will be able to enjoy life more. So they realize these things, and then they act on them. On the other hand, there's there's other people also influencers who who are doing like um, the food videos, wasting food, making like massive amounts of like huge burgers, and like just for just for decoration and entertainment and uh, they're wasting away so much resources and not realizing that it's not just that the, the food they're wasting it's the influence they're having on other people other people yeah. who try to copy them so there's so much going on like so many points you can you can raise for example taking fewer flights i mean obviously the the common person is can't afford to fly everywhere he goes but for the wealthier people who who take a lot of flights to save some time uh, for them, this is this is an important point that take fewer flights because a flight takes so much, uh, releases so much carbon dioxide. Uh, improving your home insulation is something that can um, um, help with energy efficiency. Switching to electric vehicles again. The, the issue with electric vehicles is right now is that they're relatively new. So obviously, if someone wants to buy even the oldest electric vehicle, he would have to pay. Uh, quite some money but it does help for those who can afford it they should switch to electric vehicles replacing gas central heating with electric systems uh, and just eating eating less sometimes as well I mean just look at yourself everyone for everyone uh, many people do need to eat less um, they have to start walking more exercise anyway so you might as well do it thinking that this will benefit not just me but also the environment around me. Um, 
there's about 140 countries who have pledged to reach this net zero target we're talking about, covering about 90% of global emissions. Yeah. Uh, but not many are meeting the deadlines. Um, China, for example, currently is the biggest producer of carbon dioxide worldwide, and uh, they aim for carbon neutrality by 2060, uh, which is still doubtful. Yeah. And it plans to cut emissions uh, aren't fully developed. The US has historically been the biggest carbon emitter and still emits more than China per head. It has pledged to reach net, visu- net zero by 2050 in August 2022. Uh, the Europe, the third biggest emitter of carbon dioxide, also has a 2050 net zero target, uh, but not reaching it. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, the moral of the story is that let's not throw the and sh- do shift blame shifting. Let's take some accountability and let's all work together in our own in our own comfort, in our own method in achieving this goal uh, and make some lifestyle changes to achieve this goal, not just for the purpose of the net zero, but also just for the sake of our future generations. If, if, if what the world is telling us about the climate change is true, then, you know, it's an alarming sound for each and every single individual. If the sea levels are rising, as it's been uh, told on the news channels, then I guess there is something which is wrong, which hasn't happened for millenniums. So, you know, we also are accountable for what we do on this world. And as mentioned, you know, Islam teaches us to be cautious of the world, be cautious of how we spend our time here uh, on, on, on the world, on earth. And as we are the stewards, as we've been given the responsibility of safeguarding the world, it's each and every individual's responsibility of making those right choices which will have an impact on the environment. You know, at the end of the day, it is us who are living in this environment. If our environment is clean, nice, uh, pleasant. We will have a better quality uh, life. I, I mean, I can't guarantee that we'll have a better quality of life because, you know, each case is different. But overall, you know, you, you know it's, 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 it's the psychology of humans that, you know, when something's nice, you appreciate it. You, you know, you don't feel bad about it. You know, you feel good about it. So just imagine, you know, your streets are clean, your house is clean, you you know, you're in the best shape that you've ever been in. And you, you know that you're making a good impact on the world by, you know, being more attentive towards reaching that goal of making this world a better place, whether it's for the environment, whether it's for society, whatever aspect it is, we should try our best to fulfill our due rights to our fellow humans. And this is what we should pray for. You know, may God give all of us the opportunity to do that, to achieve those targets. Um, Sadly, we are reaching the end of today's discussion. We've discussed two very interesting topics, one about migration and the other about net zero and how UK is determined to achieve its targets by 2050 and how well they are doing. Uh, it's been a ble- pleasure speaking to you from the studios here at London. Uh, we now take leave. Have a pleasant day 
and we will speak to you soon.